Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby, pastor of Save the Cowboy. I'd like to welcome you to the second half of Crippled Christianity. Last week, I talked about how Christians are always going around saying things like, God won't give you anything more than you can handle. There's nothing biblical about this other than it sounds biblical. If you could handle everything, why would you need God? And trust me, we all need God. The second thing I talked about, and where we will resume after the story, is that most people think that a Christian can't judge someone else. The ninth commandment states, Thou shalt not bear false witness. Or in other words, you can't judge someone falsely. Last week I told you how you could use fire for good things like cooking food or warming your home, or you could even use it to save someone's life and cauterize a wound. Or you could use fire to burn someone's house down or burn them at the stake. The point is, fire in itself isn't bad. It's how you use it. I went ahead and put the story of how my arm was broke from last week in again this week. Mainly because it's funny, but also because I needed some filler. So sit back and get ready for the second half of Crippled Christianity. If you've got your Bibles, the first place we're going to be is Jeremiah. Jeremiah, so uh, turn over there. It has been nearly one year since I got my cast off. For those of you that are new to Save the Cowboy, uh, two days before Thanksgiving last year, and when I mean last year, I'm not talking about a couple of months ago, I'm talking about in 2012. Um, two days before Thanksgiving, I was helping a friend of mine here and uh, right down the road worked some cows, or actually it was a bull, and a big old bull, and we were doing some stuff to it, and he lunged for it, and I had my hand where it shouldn't have been, and I snapped my forearm in half. I've, there's a picture of it on Facebook. I mean, the bone is like this. It's pretty nasty break and everything, but it's been about a year since I got the cast off, and, and I'll never forget the day, the day I got my cast off. I'm standing in the doctor's office, and he says, well... You know, I mean, he said, it, it, it's healed together, but he said, I don't think it's all the way through, but I'm tired of you using the power tools on your arm to itch your arm, so I'm going to go ahead and take your cast off, but you have to be certain of one thing. And I said, what's that? He said, whatever you do, don't fall on that arm. I looked at him like he had lost his mind. He didn't know that I was a certified ninja. Ninjas don't fall down. I ain't fell down since I was probably two and a half years old. So I ain't fell down in like 20 years. You know what I mean? This man did not know who he was talking to. I'm a certified cowboy ninja from old school. And I scoffed at him like, fall down? (laughs) Whatever, buddy. Shoot. I could fall down and land on my feet. It was snowing that day, much like it was yesterday. Hey, let me ask you a question. Something happened. Me and Riley and Jeremy were on the way to work, or to work, to church this morning. And I turned on the heater and it snowed in my vehicle. Is that normal? That happens? That's crap. I get in there to get away from that. I nearly pulled over and we nearly prayed over my Tahoe. It was snowing inside. It's not supposed to do that. 
Texans, I don't want to hear another word out of y'all. Ain't no snow in your vehicle. Sissies. Now, they're not prepared for it down there. I will say that. We got all the snow plows and everything. They got one snow shovel for the entire western half of the state. That's it. That's all they got. And thank goodness we don't live in Canada, right? Shannon, Earl, I don't see how y'all do it. They, they watch on from uh, uh, Manitoba, Canada, every Sunday. They're on there right now. I've seen them while they go, so that's cool. But anyway, so anyway, it was snowing that day that I got my cast off, much like it was yesterday. And so anyway, I got home, and you know, if you've ever broken something, your hand kind of feels a little funny. <laughs> like you can't use it, you ain't got any strength left in it, and it looks like you've been transformed into some type of living alligator or something like that. It's all nasty and everything. But anyway, so I, you know, we, we get home and I had gone, me and Christy had just got home. We'd gone somewhere else and it was like probably seven o'clock at night. So it was dark. And I'll never forget. We walked in the house and the place that we were living in then had like this ceramic tile entranceway. So it was easy to clean up, you know, whenever you came in and we had the old dog kennel right there, one of the big old black wire cage kennels. Uh, for the dogs, you know, so when they came in all muddy and everything, you just, they went right into the kennel until they dried off a little bit. And so we had a system, right? And so anyway, we walked in right there and Christy shut the door and you know, we all do it. You know, we, I've got leather soled boots on and I'm like this trying to pull my boot off and you got three guesses what happened. My leg goes, whew. I caught myself though, like ninja, whew. But then my leg that I caught myself with, it slipped. So I went like that, but boy, I was ninja enough to bring that other leg back around. And I'm going to try to simulate, and it kind of looked like this. Which, this was my wife. Honey, 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 oh, oh, honey, honey, honey. It's exactly what she looked like. Her encouragement helped tremendously. So did the wire cage that I busted my butt on. When I fell, the little cage door was open. And that wire hit me right under here. And I bent that cage door in half. It still don't shut right. And I land, when I hit that, of course, it bent all the crap landed right on my arm, not four hours after that cast came off. Pain shot through my arm to my toes. And I got up, and of course, like anything, you know, when somebody gets hurt, they're like, you okay? You okay? Does, is there any part of you that thinks I'm okay right now? The ego was just hurting just as bad as anything was. And everything, I'm like, I'm okay. And you know how, like, when something hurts real bad, it starts to shake? That's what my arm was doing. It was just sitting there just shaking. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm okay. And I look over and Riley and Griffin are like... <laughs> They could care less. They are my kids, I promise you, because I'll be doing the same thing. You fall down, I'll take you to the hospital laughing. 
It's funny. I don't care who you are. But you know, after all of that, to this day, so you're going to have to tell Shannon to quit trying to teach my wife some yoga stuff. Christy came on the other day. She goes, hey, try this. You get down like this and you put your hip on your elbow like this and you stick your legs out like this. She said, you try that. I was like, you can do that. She goes, prove it. I said, I ain't got to prove nothing to you. <laughs> Later on, I tried it. And my arm, he told me I would lose some momentum in my arm and everything. I couldn't even get my arm over there. I felt crippled. Not as crippled as I felt the first time I had to go to the bathroom and I had a cast this big on my right hand. It was not pleasant. And trying to learn to zip your zipper with your left hand, my left hand is basically a useless appendage unless it is holding reins and rope or driving. It's all my left hand is good for. I mean, if I wanted to use it up here, I just kind of... and just scoot it around. So whenever I had my hand in that cast, it just felt like I couldn't do anything. It didn't matter if, if I you know, was driving, trying to drive a stick shift or something like that. Just everything that I tried to do, it just got in the way of. Today, we are also going to talk about something in our Christian walk with our faith that, that gets in the way. It just seems to make things hard. And the thing about it is... More often than not, the three things that I'm going to tell y'all today are going to be, you're going to be like, mm -mm, that ain't right, preacher. But I don't take my word for it. Go home, study the Bible on this, and there's something that you, you can look at what I'm going to say today. If you have an attitude that you're going to think that I'm wrong and, and you want to look at me in a negative light, then you're going to take what I say negatively. If you try to hear from God and see how we can grow from this, I encourage you to do that. Okay, the story's out of the way. So now we actually resume with Crippled Christianity. Y'all enjoy. Now, I'm going to tell you three things that you better remember. If you start getting that little itch to go point out somebody's faults, to go confront somebody about what they're doing wrong, Let's talk about three things before you do that. Number one, actually there's five. I said three. You only testify when the judge calls you to. You can't just walk into a courtroom and, hey, I'd like to say something about this honor cuss. Uh-uh. You testify when God tells you to. And if God ain't laying it on your heart to approach that person and talk to them about it, you keep your mouth shut. I'm going to keep mine shut. You better have all your little duckies lined up before you testify about someone else's herd of birds. Okay? Think about that. You better have all your little duckies lined right up before you go criticizing somebody else's flock. Number three. The other witness has the right to hear what you have to say the first time you say it from your own mouth. Don't you dare go say something to somebody else without that person sitting right there. That's gossip. Even if it's true, it's gossip. Just because it's true doesn't make The other witness has the right to hear what you have to say the first time you say it. Number four, before you testify against somebody, 
You should have prayed about it for a long time, asking God for guidance, and the truth is he sees it, not you. Now, you ought to hit your knees countless times before you testify against somebody, before you judge them, before you use fire for good, before you go cauterize that wound, you better be sure that you know how to handle the cauterizing iron and not go over there with a can of gasoline and a match. One is meant to save, one is meant to destroy. And I tell you what, there's a fine line between the two. And you better be dang sure that you have prayed about it and you know what you're doing. Number five, it should always be used only to cauterize a wound, not cause one. This crippled Christianity of thinking that are convincing, being convinced by the devil that thou shalt not bear false witness actually means you can't say anything is false. It is absolutely false. But like I said, much caution needs to be used. Because we can use something to go to somebody and say, hey man, you're messing up. And I'm not here to condemn you for it, man. I'm here to help you, help you along, man. I bawled and squalled in my heart about having to do this. It breaks my heart. Brother, I want to see you rejoined in this ride that we're on. My, I'm not doing this to kick you out. I'm doing it to bring you in close. You can judge other people's sins in the way that it's testifying. When Jesus said, thou shalt not judge... It was the same Greek word used in Revelations when it said God will judge the people. Only He can make the final sentencing. Only He can judge the heart, but we can judge the actions. But I strongly and fiercely tell you that there's a lot of steps that you've got to go through before you even think about doing that. If in doubt, let God handle. Let God handle that person. If in doubt, if, if there's a shadow of a doubt, just pray for them. Let God handle it. And keep your mouth shut. But then, you know, there's nothing unbiblical about calling a snake a snake or a sin a sin. Everybody gets in an uproar when some theologian or duck dynasty person is asked, is this a sin? And he says, yes. Oh, you're judging, you're judging. He didn't judge it. The Bible already did. The Bible says it. And not just that. We, 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 we can go on and on and on, and I'm not going to because none of that matters. And I implore you as mature Christians, or maybe even if you're not a mature Christian, if you're trying to find your way, heed my warning. But listen to the message. To be a cowboy, to be a cowboy, you must, let's fill in that blank, ride a horse. Is that true? To be a true cowboy, you have to ride a horse. That's the only qualification. Is that true? No, we all know it's not, right? What about this one? To be a cowboy, you have to wear a cowboy hat. In of itself, is that true? Absolutely not. To be a cowboy, you must work on a ranch. Is that true? No, it's not. To be a cowboy, you must be able to get out there and rope a critter. Is that, is that in of itself, is that true? No, it's not. 
It's not. Think about all the blanks that you could fill in right there. To be a cowboy, you must own a cow. or you know, And all of them in of themselves are not false, but they don't paint the big picture, do they? Now, I tried just real briefly. I didn't spend a lot of time on this. I didn't just, it wasn't a first draft. But I tried to describe the totality of what being a cowboy is. To be a cowboy, you must follow the ways of the cowboy in order to learn and apply the skills and knowledge of working, tending, and caring for the numerous duties a cowboy is asked to do. While all these things may not be pleasant all the time, the cowboy knows, the cowboys know that these things are a reflection of what he stands for, and so therefore he does them. It is not a hobby. It is an entire lifestyle, not dictated by a location, or an occupation, but by who that person believes themselves to be and the actions that verify this belief. A cowboy is all in or he's not in at all. That was probably, in a short amount of time, the best definition that I could come up with for what it truly means to be a cowboy. Now, bear with me. Just as we said that you can't actually just say to be a cowboy, you must ride a horse, because although that may be part of it, it's not it in its entirety. So the following statement found in, I'm talking about just the statement that I'm fixing to say, that most every Christian believes, I'm not saying that it's not true, but it's just like saying in order to be a true cowboy, you have to wear a cowboy hat. Stop. And it's this right here. You must accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, that's not false, but that is not the truth in its entirety. Did you know where that nowhere in the Bible, it's often implied, but nowhere in the Bible does Jesus say, you must accept me as your Lord and Savior. He never said that. He said, you must follow me. You must take up your cross daily and follow me. You must give your life. Any who wants to save their life must lose it, and any who try to save their life will lose it. I think I said that wrong, but you know what I mean. Before every God-fearing Christian in here starts going into anaphylactic shock over what I just said, let me clarify that while this is true, it is incomplete. For example... John 3.16 says, whoever believes in me shall have everlasting life, right? Whoever believes in me shall have everlasting life. So we just go, oh, I believe in you. Golden ticket, baby, right there. Does anybody really think that that's the truth, the complete truth? I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's not the complete, it's not everything. Whoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. That sounds good. But what about James 2.19 where it says, you say you have faith for if you believe that there, you say you have faith because you believe that there's a God. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. Wait a minute. It says if you believe in God, then you have everlasting life. But James says even the demons believe in God. They don't have everlasting life in heaven. So it's more than that. Romans 10.13 says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But Matthew 7, 21 through 23 says, On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this and didn't we do that? 
but I will say to them, Be away from me, you evildoer, for I knew you not. So you have, you know, is the scripture never contradicts itself, but it's painting the whole picture. You can't just take one deal and say, Well, if I wear a cowboy hat, I'm a cowboy. No, it doesn't work like that. Second Peter 3 9 says, His desire is that none shall perish. So does that mean everybody's going to heaven? No, it doesn't. Matthew 18, 3 says, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So which is it? It's all of these people. And I think that Christians have been led to believe that all you have to do is just accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Let's go ahead and just everybody say it now, and you got the Willy Wonka golden ticket to heaven. That's not the way it is. I'm sorry, this is, you know, this is hard teaching. I understand that, but it's the truth. Some of you saw that picture I said the other day. You can tell the truth without love, but you cannot love without telling the truth. I love y'all enough that I'm telling you the truth. And I'm telling you right now that you can't just say, I accept Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, and you think you're going to heaven. It ain't going to work like that. Some other things real quick. Mark 8.35, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Luke 9.62, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Acts 2.38, Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. You have to take it in totality. Don't think that you can just say, yep, I accept Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, and then go do whatever you want, however you want, live your life for nothing but yourself, and think, that that's all there is to Christianity. It won't work, guys. It won't work. Remember what I said? Let me read my cowboy definition to you one more time. To be a cowboy, you must follow the ways of the cowboy in order to learn and apply the skills and knowledge of working, tending, and caring for the numerous duties a cowboy is asked to do. While all these things may not be pleasant all the time, the cowboys know that these things are a reflection of what he stands for, and so therefore he does them. It is not a hobby. It is an entire lifestyle, not dictated by a location or occupation, but by who that person believes themselves to be and the actions that verify this belief. It is all in or not in at all. Now let's apply that to Christianity. To be a Christian, you must follow the ways of Christ in order to learn and apply the skills and knowledge of working, tending, and caring for the numerous duties a Christian is asked to do. While all these things may not be pleasant all the time, the Christian knows that these things are a reflection of what he stands for, and so therefore he does them. It is not a hobby. It is an entire lifestyle, not dictated by a location or occupation or works, but by who that person believes themselves to be and the actions of God through them that verify this belief. It is all in or not in at all. That's the truth, people. That is the truth. What is crippled Christianity? Crippled Christianity is when we blame God for our troubles and then try to accomplish everything on our own by thinking that God won't give us anything more than we can handle. What is crippled Christianity? It is when we believe that thou shalt not bear false witness means that you can't say anything at all. Our brothers and sisters are dying in sin because we're too scared to go say something to them 
and try to save their forever lives. But we must do that with caution. It is when, what is crippled Christianity? It is when we believe that there is a Willy Wonka golden ticket to heaven just waiting on the words, I accept Christ as my Lord and Savior without giving your entire life to Him and moving your entire life from where you are now to where He wants you to be. Now that's a journey. Some of you just started that journey. Don't rush it. Let God work through you. A tree this big isn't going to bear a fruit this big, okay? It's got to be a big tree to bear big fruit. It takes time. Don't rush it. Just follow Him. Stand in the sun and grow. Drink from the living water. Put down roots that go down in truth and in God's grace. Remember, don't be crippled with false ideas of your Christian walk with God. Do not be deceived because you are all in you're not in at all. Listen up. This is Kevin Weatherby of Save the Cowboy. You want to hear the most exciting news since the invention of toilet paper? Save the Cowboy wants to start a church in your area. We have a new program called Save the Cowboy Line Camps, and if you've been wishing that there was a Save the Cowboy in your area, then God is probably laying it on your heart to help me start one. Just go to savethecowboy.com and you can email me for more information. Come on, cowboys and cowgirls. Let's all do our part in this gathering. This program was brought to you in its entirety due to the generous donation of Western LLC. They are a turnkey development company for the oil and gas and aviation industry. If you need it built to put something in, there ain't a better Christian value company to call on than them. Visit them at westernllc.com.